Blessed and holy God, we enter into this sacred space with great expectations in our hearts. May the meditations of our hearts and minds and the words of my mouth be acceptable in your sight. Amen. So this baptism, it's kind of serious business. We acknowledge that. We teach it to our kids. We, um, we even remember the baptism stories. Maybe it's our own. Maybe it's not our own. Maybe it's one of our child being baptized or someone we love being baptized or a particularly moving baptism story that we share with one another. One of my favorite baptisms was, uh, that I administered was with an 18-year-old girl. She had been uh, so hurt by people in the church that she hoped to never darken the doors again. She felt rejected by them, judged by them. But her love for children led her to take a job in our church nursery. And over the course of several months, she began to experience a different kind of acceptance and love, one that she had not experienced in her previous uh, church experience. And so over the course of time, she began to talk with me. We had several conversations about what that meant. And what I found out about her is that her faith in Jesus never faltered. It was her faith in the church that came into question. So after a few conversations with myself and those adults that she loves, she decided to profess her faith in front of the whole congregation and be baptized. For her, baptism signified a new beginning, a new relationship with Jesus. Now, during the month of January and probably February, we're going to take a look at Jesus. Who is this Jesus? This, I'm going to call this simply Jesus. Who is he? What did he come to do? And why does it make any difference? In the church calendar, on the second, Jan, second Sunday in January every year, we tell the story about Jesus' baptism. That story is found in every one of the Gospels, though John only mentions it in a line saying that Jesus was baptized by the Spirit. Every one of the other ones lays out this intimate story of how Jesus enters the waters in the Jordan. Today we're going to look at that story as it is told by Matthew in the second chapter, beginning with verse 13, I'm sorry, the third third chapter, beginning with verse 13 through 17. Listen now for God's holy word. Then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? But Jesus answered him, Let it be so now. For it is proper for us to do, proper for us in this way to fulfill all righteousness. Then he consented. And when Jesus had been baptized, just as he came up out of the water, suddenly the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a, ver- and a voice from the heavens said, This is my Son, the Beloved, with whom I am well pleased. May God add blessing to this reading and hearing of Holy Scripture. So John the baptizer was this kind of odd sort of guy, wild by all uh, descriptions of the matter. He was one who would stand out in the wilderness and call the people preaching fiery sermons and encouraging them to repent 
and then to enter into the water and wash away everything that they had needs to repent for, that this baptism would wash that away. So when Jesus comes up to him and wants to be baptized, we find ourselves asking, what would Jesus need to repent for? Why does Jesus join all these people in the waters of the Jordan and allow John to baptize him? Even John wonders this same question. He says something like, uh, hey, Jesus, look, you should be baptizing me, not the other way around. So what's going on here? But Jesus puts his mind at ease and he says, you know, look, this is the right thing to do and it is the right time to do it. So Matthew helps us unpack this very dense statement about right timing and righteousness by allowing us to stand on the banks of the Jordan and watch the baptism of Jesus. And as he is lowered into the waters and he comes back up out of the waters, we hear this voice from the heavens. And we we don't know that the people saw the dove descending because it says Jesus saw the dove descending like a dove, God's spirit descending like a dove. But we we think that they heard the voice that said, this is my son, the beloved, with whom I am well pleased. The writer is a bit unclear as to whether this statement was there to assure Jesus or this statement was there to assure us of who Jesus is. But whether Jesus uh, reveals this story to his friends later about the dove and the voice, or whether there are others who pay witness to it, we know one thing is for sure, and that is, in this moment, God claims Jesus, calls him beloved. This identity must have been the confidence that Jesus needed as he started this campaign towards the cross. It is the beginning of his ministry. It is the time in which he knew without a doubt and with the confidence of a true Savior that he must do the work that lay ahead of him, how difficult it might be. It must have been the confidence that he drew upon that bolstered him when people pointed at him and called him a liar, when his best friends abandoned him and even his beloved betrayed him. Others may have declared him a criminal, but it was God who declared him beloved. And as Christians, when we enter into baptism, we understand that God's grace is also calling us the beloved. We stand with Christ in our baptism, in this one baptism. Recently, there was a a NPR story about a 71-year-old French man named um, uh, René Labouvier. He had petitioned the church to be de-baptized. I found that startling. But it seems that he had become so disillusioned not only with the church but with his own faith that he began a campaign of asking that the church remove his name from the rolls and take his name off the baptism rolls. After years of attempting to have this removed, he realized that they were not going to budge 
that they were not going to remove it. And so he took up civil litigation, which was the point of the story. The civil litigation in that particular community, a local magistrate actually ruled in favor of the man and asked the church to remove his name from all documents. But the church appealed. And they argued this. They said, it is impossible to erase history. It is impossible to deny a sacred rite had taken place in that church. You see, baptism is so much more than a ritual. Baptism is so much more than a rite of passage or a, or a religious ceremony, though it is all those things. Baptism is a defining moment in which God declares us beloved and marks us as one of God's own. So when we gather around our font for baptism... I want you to pay attention to the liturgy. When we perform the baptism of laying the water on the head of those who are presented or immerse them into the body, we do so by calling them by their first two names only. We do not use their last name. That is because baptism is about becoming a part of a greater family, the family called Christian. That is how we claim that we are all brothers and sisters in Christ. And there is nothing that we can do, even renounce our faith, even though that is a very sad day, that can change the reality in our baptism that God has claimed us and called us beloved. There is so much that the gospel writers don't tell us about the reasons that Jesus joined John in the Jordan River that day. But there is one thing that we know, that at the moment of his baptism, like the moment of our own baptism, everything changed. It was in that intimate moment when he parted the waters and he came up out of the water and it fell off of his face and onto his shoulder that Jesus discovered the true identity and he claimed the true nature of his relationship with God That is what happens in our own baptism. You see, Mr. LeBouvier could not become de-baptized friends because what happens in baptism is the very essence of God. Regardless of how disillusioned we might become with our own faith and our own church, our baptisms can never be undone because... It is God's doing in the first place. And we don't overrule God. So Mario was this homeless person on the streets of New York. He spent most of his life on the streets. In fact, over, over, over half of his life were on the streets. He spent most of it in Manhattan area and visiting the shelters in one or two particular churches. On the day of his 60th birthday, he gathered with his friends to have dinner at one of these shelters and they were teasing him about the fact that he didn't look like he was 60 years old. He says, oh, but I am. I can prove it. I have my birth certificate. And he digs deep into his pocket and he pulls it out and he lays it down. And sure enough, there's the date of his birth and the place of his birth. And his parents are named on that birth certificate. And he says, and I have my baptismal certificate. What? 
Sure enough, he pulls into another pocket and he pulls out this tattered piece of paper and he unfolds it and he lays it before his friends and sure enough, there's his baptismal certificate from an Episcopal church on the lower east side of Manhattan where he was claimed and named beloved. Why did he carry this birth certificate around with him? Seems like an odd thing of all the things that he carries. I understand a birth certificate, but not a baptismal certificate. Many of us can't even put our hands on ours. Here's what I think might be going on. Perhaps in his life, where most of his life people have pointed their finger at him, They've been dismissive of him when he has been called a problem to be dealt with on the streets of New York. When he has been literally ignored by thousands of passerbys every single day on the streets of Manhattan. It is this certificate that reminds him that he is God's beloved and that he stands boldly beside Jesus. This crinkled, tattered piece of paper is what reminds him that he is no less and no more than any other person around him. Friends, Jesus went down to the Jordan River to be baptized in one act of solidarity with us as humankind to claim not only his identity and to start His ministry, the campaign that would be the biggest campaign of all time. He also heard a voice from the heaven which would prepare him for what lie ahead. The one that says, you are my child, my beloved, with whom I am well pleased. As you come forward for communion this morning, I have put our baptismal font out here, I will invite you to touch the water and remember your own baptism. Now, we are baptized into a single baptism, so even if you don't remember your particular baptism or even if you have not been baptized, what you are remembering is God's claim on you that you are God's child. You are beloved. Thanks be to God. Amen.